you with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's up? What's up? We are back. Guess what, guys? We're all in a good mood. Why are we in a good mood? Because football is back, baby. Football is back. Football is back. Football. And you know this game's going to suck, Zach. You know that, right? But we don't care. Uh, Obviously. We don't care. It's preseason. Today's the first game of the preseason. The Jets, at least it's the Jets. I can watch my team. (laughs) You know? Right. Third, fourth string. Why not? But football's here, dude. Uh, It sucks that we can't see Aaron Rodgers, but at least we get to see Zach. Hey. Right, Zach? Maybe they'll throw him in. Maybe they'll throw him in just to see. You know, he hasn't played with the Jets yet. I'm kidding. That's a not little ovation. Happen. A little ovation from the crowd. <laughs> a little, no, wel- a little welcome to the Jets. Listen, man. In for one snap. Josh Jacobs was put in the Hall of Fame game last year. And look yeah. at his season. Look how his season turned out. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of led to some weird stuff this offseason, though. But. Yeah. Take notes, Robert <laughs> Sala. Take notes. Hey, guys, by the way, we have a... Very, very special guest in this episode, Sal Capaccio. He is one of the primary Buffalo Bills beat reporters. He's been there every single day at training camp. He's joining us later in the show. And by the way, he has some major, major nuggets that you are not going to want to miss with this Buffalo team. We talked Dalton, we talked Dalton Kincaid. We talked the Buffalo Bills backfield. You can't miss it. All right, that's later in the show after we talk sleepers. All right, guys, this is the Sleepers episode. This is going to be a good one. We talk about, listen, there's a lot of Sleepers that we've been talking about all offseason long. Okay, so make sure to listen to all the other podcast episodes. I tried my best to, like, bring up guys in this episode that we haven't really talked about a whole lot. Like, I tried to avoid that as much as possible because I don't want to keep on talking about the same guys. I want to kind of, you know, diversify and have you guys have some choices here, you know? Um, And we all also know that we should have some choices because if you don't get your guys in the draft, then what are you going to do? You have to draft somebody, right? So you got to have some choices, right? So I do want to get over, go over some news real quick. Cooper Cup has a hamstring injury. He'll be out for a few weeks, according to Adam Schefter. Not great. This is the type of situation where you got to move Cup down a little bit, man, in the rankings. Uh, he had the high ankle last year, right? He had surgery uh, because of that. And now this, he's 30 years old. You know, I'm definitely going to be taking guys like Jamar Chase over him at this point, Tyreek Hill over him. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey, if you were thinking about taking cup over him. Um, and now, like, I'd even consider Travis Kelsey. I consider Bijan. I consider Stefan Diggs. You know, if you really don't want to yep. take any chances, right? Because th- depending on the type of f- fantasy player you are, if you don't want to take any chances here, you know, I think I understand that. Um, I still think he's a first, uh, a late first round pick at, you know, at the latest. But I can understand not wanting to take any chances because of that hamstring injury, right? Like, it gets tricky. This is, this is a right. soft tissue injury. Uh, look at Keenan Allen last year, right? So, you know, I understand if you don't want to take those chances um, that you move them down even more, maybe past those, like, you know, those exciting wide receivers around the one-two turn. Right. And that's the thing for me. You look at it like you're going to have your pick of the litter anyway at the top of the draft. It's going to be he's going in the first round. So why would you assume all that risk at this point yeah. when there's other guys on the board? Like you mentioned, Bijan. Bijan, for me, is like the safest pick, I think, in the first round just because right. he's a rookie. He's on a great rushing offense. Like they're going to use him 100 percent. Nobody drafts a running back that high and doesn't use him. So I think that there are plenty of other safer options and they all have upside too. like Stefan Diggs. He's had over 150 targets and hundred receptions each of the past three years. That's right. consistency. Like 
out of his mind. This is crazy. And Cooper Cup, I mean, we know the type of player he is and that he can be. We've seen that. Um, but just with all this uncertainty and the, the age thing is what starts to kind of factor into it for me when you look at mm -hmm. injuries popping up the way that they've been popping up now. So yeah. obviously high ankle sprains happen, but a hamstring injury at this age, like you mentioned with Keenan Allen, those soft tissue injuries tend to linger and hang around and then kind of flame up, you know, a little bit further down the line sometimes. So like that's something we could see him missing time for in the regular season too. So we could I, I'm with you there. I, I'm not There's a no huge fan of that. There's no guarantee that he plays week one or week exactly. two. Exactly. There's yep. no guarantee. You know, they might like, want to play it safe with him because if they rush him back, then we're going to see a Keenan Allen situation from last year. Right. Right. So, oh, yeah. and then yeah. imagine the Tyler Higby target share if Cooper Cup doesn't play. <laughs> hey, man. I, you know what? I didn't even think about that. Uh, I didn't even, I, I didn't even process that part. I think that's a great point. Tyler Higby was already going to get a pretty good high target share. Now, he he might have like we've seen like 15 target games for Tyler Higby before. So like we might yeah. see something like that in week one. We'll see. <laughs> right. Calvin really is dealing with a toe injury, but he was at practice. Like the videos that I saw of him running routes looked good. So no real concern for me there. Still drafting him. Yeah, he was he was looking good. So he was, you know, he still was running Zay Jones masses. speed routes. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Faster than Zay Jones. Faster than Zay Jones. Um Isaiah Pacheco still not clear for contact. He could be cleared by August 20th. Uh, and he has his boy, uh, Demetric Prince. Uh, I was going to say a fellow late rounder, but he was undrafted. Uh, he's trying to steal his job right now. Clyde edwards helaire trying to get his job back as well. He's working with the first team in Pacheco's place at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure if this is really going to affect his status as the Chiefs' primary early down back. I think it's – unless Demetric Prince just blows – I mean, he is, you know, looking good in camp. But if he blows mm -hmm. these coaches out of the water, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more. But I don't know, man. This backfield just seems like an avoid, you know, for me. I, I was in on McKinnon, but now Demetric Prince is potentially working his way into that pass catching role. I, I think I'm going to just, just overall, I might just stay away. I think that, that, that's a fine, you know, assessment. I would say Isaiah Pacheco, if anyone would be the one, if you had to draft one of them, I think it would be Isaiah Pacheco because he's the one that's not really, I think, going to have competition for what his role is going to be. He's going to be the early down running back and just take those yep. early down carries. And exactly. the volume might not be tremendous because this is Patrick Mahomes. This is pass first Andy Reid offense. But, you know, if you look at the receiving work being split, you know, Isaiah Pacheco doesn't really have that competition like Jared McKinnon and like Daener Prince. Have. We'll see, man. We'll see if Clyde edwards helaire gets some carries here and there. I could see it, and, and right. that would be disappointing. Uh, Ian Rappaported, Ian Rappaported that Alvin Kamara will get a suspension with no news on how long just yet, but we knew this already. This is basically no news. Um, so I'm guessing we might get an update today or sometime this weekend. Right. Running back Ty Chandler of the Minnesota Vikings was not overly impressive to start camp. You know, the more I look into this Vikings backfield situation, the more it's looking like this is Alexander Madison's job, right? He got a little yeah. bit banged up in practice the other day. Ty Chandler took his place, and the athletic article that was written by uh, Alec Lewis, uh, beat reporter for the athletic, basically said that Chandler wasn't impressive. He fumbled the ball in, in Madison's place. He wasn't consistent. And then Dwayne McBride also got some reps. He wasn't impressive either. And Kevin O'Connell... Their head coach said that McBride has a tall task ahead of him trying to learn the offense. So it's not great vibes for anyone in this backfield outside of Madison. You know, this is usually like a trap type situation in drafts. But yeah. man, like it just it doesn't seem like there's much confidence behind Madison 
at all at this point. And, you know, we know what Madison has done in the past in Cook's absence, you know, and, you know, everybody who's into Madison, they're like, yeah, yeah, for us, like, we've been, we've been knew this, like, we know this, like, I don't know who you're telling right now, but, you know, we know that he's (laughs) been a fantasy RB1 most of the time in those instances without Dalvin Cook, I get it. Um, And his head coach did say that he has three down ownership, his OC recently last week praised his like multi-layered skill set, pass blocking, you know, route running, running the ball. Right. You know, and his OC even said that people are sleeping on him. Okay. So I, I, I think I'm in at this point, Zach. I, I, I yeah. think I'm in. I, I think I think I'm sold. Yeah, you can be in. I, I I agree. I'm not saying I'm not in on Alexander Madison either. I just wish like Dwayne McBride would have impressed a little bit more. That would have been pretty cool. Me too. Because I'm a fan of McBride and I was right. hoping that all right, cool. Like this is what I was hoping for. I'm like, oh, Madison got hurt. Okay. Let's see what McBride can do. Okay. I mean, it's not yeah. a big injury for Madison, but like that just meant that you know McBride could have got more reps and had a little yep. bit had a little bit of an opportunity. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. But yeah, it looks like Madison's show at this point. It's funny because like I always think not only does Madison produce in fantasy like Dalvin Cook did when he was out, but he also kind of looks like Dalvin Cook. So if you put a four on Madison's jersey this year and just said that it was Dalvin Cook, you know, you wouldn't really know a difference. <laughs> I don't think. I think that Alexander Madison, like he was pretty much a one for one replacement. Anytime Dalvin Cook was out. So I think at this point, can we project him to be scoring 23 points a game? No, but I think that he's going to be a perfectly fine, you know, high end RB2 at the very least. He could sneak well, in. And, and, and that would be out. And that would beat out his ADP if he, yeah, if he does that. Exactly. All right. All right, man. Let's, uh, let's get into the sleepers. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of sleepers, right? But yeah, I talked to you too. Yeah, and we talked about them on other episodes and all that. And, you know, if you want to kind of get an overall idea, guys, like of who my targets are, et cetera, like my rankings, patreon.com slash fantasy has my targets, my sleepers, my avoids, uh, all the rankings. We just put up uh, more than 100 blurbs on a, a bunch of players in detail blurbs. You can go check that out, patreon.com slash fantasy. That's where all that stuff is. Um, what is the sleeper, Zach? A sleeper. What would you, we're what we're would defining sleeper. Let's define the term sleeper. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. Pretty much somebody that nobody's talking about, but that could actually be really good. And I know we, we had this discussion too. Yep. You know, when we were putting this episode together, we we're like, what is a sleeper? Defining it. There's a little science behind it. You know what I mean? I think so. I think so. I, I think, you know, if there's a player that nobody is talking about that is going to be that that they're talking about in a positive light this year, you know, who could be potentially a lot more fantasy relevant than you think. That's basically what a sleeper is, right? Right. I want to hear your first guy, Zach. I already know who your guys are. Very interesting. And I want to hear the first one. Yeah, for sure. So my first one, and people might call me out for this because I was a Cowboys fan, but Dalton Schultz, has anybody heard a word about him since he signed in Houston? Like he signed in Houston as a one-year deal. $9 $9 million he got. Not what he was hoping for on the free agent market, but has anybody heard anything about him? Like, no, none. Schultz might be the most vanilla fantasy pick there is right now, but style points haven't been his MO his entire career, and that's not about to change, and there's nothing wrong with taking a vanilla fantasy player if they're going to be good. His production is coming in offense where he's consistently the safety valve for Dak Prescott in his whole career. He's been that for Dak, but he was overshadowed by better receiving options than CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper over the past two years. 
Despite that, he's put up an average target share of 17% and 17% air yard share in that span, proving that he can compete for targets even with quality competition. Sure, Schultz has never been explosive after the catch. He's kind of a turnaround, sit down type of guy when he gets the ball. But he put up the seventh lowest yards per catch per reception in 2022. But this is Dalton Schultz we're talking about, Mr. Vanilla himself, with that nickname, of course, he's going to be the tight end to get it done with fantasy targets, not fantasy production after the catch. The offense won't be nearly as good in Houston as it was in Dallas, sure. But he's moving from an environment with plenty of competition where he was actually able you know, to carve out a role for himself to an offense with little or no competition at all. And it's working in his favor, too, that CJ Stroud's a rookie quarterback, so it's a clean slate for all the receivers there. Schultz's body of work in the target share department bears consideration because according to Fantasy Life's Dwayne McFarland, the target share and air yard share that he's accumulated over the past two seasons is consistent with the overall tight end seven, tight end nine range type finish over the last 12 years. So if you don't want to take a tight end early in your draft, but you also don't want the mid-round price tag of other guys in questionable situations, a la David Njoku and Chigakonguo, Dalton Schultz at tight end 14, he's extremely affordable and he can present the chance to be highly productive. You just don't have to leave your league ooing and eyeing at the pick if you take Dalton Schultz. You know what I mean? He's Mr. Mr. Vanilla. He's Mr. Vanilla. <laughs> like, that's just what he does. Like, oh, he took tight. He took, he took uh, Dalton Schultz. Cool. You know, he's going to be producing just fine for him. Like, he's a sleeper just because nobody talks about him at all. And they look at it, it's like, oh, he's on Houston. He's not going to do good. Like, I don't I kinda, think that's I kind of feel like assessment. vanilla. I think, like, the vanilla, like, the flavor itself is kind of a sleeper. You know yeah, what I'm saying? So I, I, see the, <laughs> I see the correlation here. Right. It's solid. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. Like, nobody's like, like, if you go to an ice cream shop and order vanilla, no one's like, wow, that's a unique flavor choice. Like, now they're like, well, that's, that makes sense. It's solid. Like, same thing with Dalton Schultz. Nobody talks about him. Nobody talks about him. Nobody's going to judge you if you take him. They're going to be like, oh, you know, that's a solid pick. Nothing wrong with that. That's Dalton Schultz in fantasy football this year. And nobody's talking about him, so he's a sleeper. I love it. I love it, Zach. All right. Well, listen, man. I think Dalton Schultz is going to be solid. Like, the more you look at it, um, you know, there were recent reports that no wide receiver right now is standing out, you know, in Houston to be the number one wide receiver. So that yep. could potentially open the door for Dalton Schultz to be the guy. He's a veteran, and he could be the quarterback, the young quarterback's best friend over there. So yes, we'll see how that 100%. how that turns out. I, I could totally see that happening. All right, let's get into my first sleeper, man. Who do you think I'm talking about? Somebody I've never I never talked about. I haven't talked about it at all. J.K. Dobbins. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. Listen, man, I am getting so much heat for this. It's not even funny, but I don't care. Okay. Do I, I think the whole world is against J.K. Dobbins right now. Okay. I don't. I don't think many see the path to upside here, and I and I get it, especially how he was formally deployed under his old offensive coordinator. Okay. Uh, I I think a lot of people think there's going to be a timeshare. They think that he's actually hurt right now which is why he's right. on the pup that's not the case by the way like what do you think actually happens in this current situation that he's in like do you think he actually holds out and doesn't come back on the field at some point do you think he'll end up reporting at some point before week one like he's going to report he has yeah. no leverage the ravens yeah, aren't going that. to budge yeah and he's going to play out the final year of his contract okay and in this new offense, I think he's going to kill it, man. Todd Munkin has been talking about using him in the receiving game. And if that's the case and he's schemed up to, in fact, do just that, Lamar is going to get him the ball. 
he was used in college in the receiving game. And I can see, you know, 40, 45 catches for Dobbins this year. That's not a huge number, but it's something, right? Yeah. And I do think that he is the guy in the backfield and like the guy on the goal line outside of Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson is not like a, you know, power quarterback or anything like that. So he he finesses his way into the go- into the red zone, into the end zone. That's different, right? Yeah. But when they need somebody to pound the rock at the goal line, I think it's going to be J.K. Dobbins exclusively, or at least J.K. Dobbins primarily, right? So, yeah. like, I also think that he's the most talented guy in that backfield, and, like, anyone behind him is just, like, it's not worth taking him off the field to get, like, Gus Edwards' touches. I think he'll get some touches for sure. I think he'll be somewhat involved, but I think the gap is going to be way wider than what we were used to a couple years ago, right? right. And I'm buying the dip. On J.K. Dobbins, man. I've said it before, and I remember how myself and others were so down on Josh Jacobs, you know, when he played in the Hall of Fame game last year or after he played in that game. And we were like, yo, this dude is dead on arrival. Like, it's not going to work out at all. Uh, He was going in that running back dead zone, and he was a league winner, right? And I think we're going to see something similar for J.K. Dobbins this year. Uh, I I think that's... Yeah. So this is the thing. You sold me a while ago on J.K. Dobbins. We're going to keep talking about him because nobody else is. You know what I mean? And we talked about it. He's hyper-efficient in the ground game, over five yards per carry in his career. Like, he is super talented. And you mentioned his situation. Like, what is there to be scared about? We know he's not, like, injured. It's not – sure, maybe there might be some lingering effect. I don't think it's going to be anything horrific. That's coming from, you know, he tore his ACL, all that stuff. Good. Like, it's – it. That's not why he's on the pup at this point. It's the contract situation. And we mentioned he has no leverage. He's going to have to play unless he wants to sit there and just be in the same situation next year. Nothing's going to change. He's going to report. He's going to play. There's nothing to worry about that. And you talk about buying the dip 100%. That is the plan at this point. You mentioned you compare him to Josh Jacobs, and I feel like that's a perfect comparison at this point because nobody's targeting him. He's sitting in that dead zone. I think he's like the ideal zero RB target you know, if you're building your team that way, like there's not really a, a better choice. I don't think, especially where he's going in that range. Like he has yeah. upside to be a top 12 running back. He just has to be on the field. And that seems to be throwing a bunch of people off that he's on the pup list right now. Like who cares? Just roll with it. If you listen to podcasts, you know, you know what we're talking about. I don't want to be. You know what's up. I you know yeah. <laughs> I, I already did. I already did. Zach. <laughs> who, who's right. your next guy? It's dead for us. It's dead. All right, so my next guy, he's another tight end. Uh, It's Cole Komet. Now, when Justin Fields took the next step to fantasy dominance halfway through last year, remember the first part of the year, he wasn't throwing the ball at all, and he was just like, eh. Well, when he took that next step and he turned into the elite fantasy quarterback with the rushing chops, there was only one Bears pass catcher that went with him for that ride. You know, it wasn't a receiver for sure. Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, it wasn't any of them. It was Cole Komet. When Justin Fields is supplementing his rushing production with that dash of passing, the ball was being thrown overwhelmingly to Komet. From week nine through the end of last year, Cole Komet was the overall tight end for and fantasy points scored. Did you know that? No, probably not. He racked up the six most fantasy, the six most targets among tight ends that saw 60 plus percent of snaps in that span. And he paced all Bears pass catchers, including running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends in targets with 49. That's 21 more than the next guy on the list, Chase Claypool who didn't join the team till halfway through the year. So it's obviously a Komet-dominated target share in this Bears passing attack. He also scored the second most touchdowns among all tight ends in that span as well. Fields clearly has a favorite target in Komet. And even with the addition of DJ Moore, 
I think the looks are the looks are going to continue to come Komet's way. He signed a four-year, fifty million dollar extension. You know, he doesn't have a whole lot of production to back that up, but good for him. He got the bag. Um, that tells me that the Bears plan to feature him in this offense plenty moving forward, just like Justin Fields did. Similar usage to last year, and what figures to be a better offense in twenty twenty three. That's going to help him stay on top of the on top of the fantasy tight end uh, landscape and squarely in the tight end one conversation this year because. He's just scoring touchdowns with Justin Fields. If Justin Fields is throwing a touchdown half the time, it was going to Cole Komet. So nobody's talking about him. Everyone's like taking him as like a backup tight end. I think he has a chance to be a starting tight end this year and a pretty darn good one. Yeah, he just got paid, right? And and I think that's, I think the red zone is really where he has to make his money. Last year, I'm looking at fantasy life data right now, he was only targeted at on uh, at a 16% rate on a per route basis, that was really, really low among among tight ends. That's not good. So if you see a big route jump for him, which you won't because he was already running a route on a high percentage of dropbacks, you want that percentage to be a little higher for us to like for me to be confident that he could potentially increase that. Now, tight ends, like especially low end tight end ones, a lot of their production is actually dependent on touchdowns. So and we know that Justin Fields, his number one target, has been uh, Cole Komet in the red zone. So if the if this offense does improve, I can see uh, that improving, and then he could have a chance to to get into that low end tight end one range. But then you right. consider DJ Moore being there too, and you're like, well, like what is that target share going to look like? Darnell Mooney wasn't there m- for most of the year too, and it's like, all right, like where does Cole Komet fit? But I think the red zone, I think that's really where he's going to make his money if he's going to yeah. do it. This, this, I, I think I think something to keep in mind though with Cole Komet, you know, you mentioned the targets per route run. He was probably running a lot of routes, but Justin Fields is scrambling on a lot of routes too. So that's going to kind of deflate his targets per route run number just a little bit because he might be running a route, but if the ball never leaves Justin Fields' hands, you know, pretty much everybody's going to be suffering at that point. With in terms yeah. of that statistic, I think that's fair. Yeah, it's something I, to consider. I, I, but, I, 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 sure, but that that also lends into the Bears not throwing the ball on that play. And then Cole Komet scores zero fantasy points on that play. You know what I'm saying? Like it's Fair. good for Justin Fields, but like for yeah. for Cole Komet, you want Justin Fields to throw throw him the ball. Yeah. Um. All right. I, I have another guy that you know haven't talked about a whole lot. Maybe I <laughs> have. <just> sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is DeAndre Swift. All right. Yep. The word out of camp is that they're using the running backs a lot in the receiving game in Philly, specifically DeAndre Swift. And this is not something that they did last year, right? But their head coach, Nick Sirianni, he said that their offense is based off of the skill and the players that they have, right? And Rashad Penny just said that he's never seen this many rat trees for the running backs. And I think it's happening, Zach. And I think people are sleeping on Swift's upside in this offense. They think he won't be targeted because Jalen Hurts isn't a scrambler or is a scrambler. I think that's true to a degree when it comes to like dump offs and stuff, but running backs like Swift are scripted into the game, right? Like Christian McCaffrey, like Austin Eckler, like Alvin Kamara, like Cam Newton, he was a rushing quarterback, but he targeted Christian McCaffrey a ton, right? And he was a rushing quarterback. So because that was scripted into the game, it happened. Last year, among all running backs who had 50 or more targets, Swift was third in yards per route run, only behind McCaffrey and Kamara. Eckler was fourth. He was also fifth in yards per reception. He was second in yards after the catch per reception. So Swift has RB1 upside, man, straight up. Like, he's a risky pick, no doubt about it. 
Does he have a large range of outcomes? For sure. But he can also be a league winner if he hits. Yeah, 100%. It was never a question about his talent. You know, you could throw out all those stats. Like, we knew that was the type of player he is. It's just the Lions refused to use him last year, which made no sense. And that's been his problem his whole career at this point. You know, they didn't use him the way that he was supposed to be used. I think that can happen this year in Philly, 100%. Who's your next guy? So, I have a quarterback this time, and it's Brock Purdy. So, there's been all kinds of discussion about who's going to be starting for the 49ers come week one, but it's probably going to be Purdy at this point. You know, he's throwing in practice. He's going to be fine. I think that he's going to be starting. If he's not starting by week one, he will be starting early in the season, I think. But I think he's going to start week one. The conversations have always been about what Purdy can do for the weapons in the offense, what Purdy can do for Kittle, what Purdy can do for Brandon Ayuk, and not really about what you know Brock Purdy can do for you and your fantasy team. So, pop quiz. Here we go. Who is tied with Dak Prescott over the last six weeks of the season for the most passing touchdowns in the NFL with 13? I think you could probably guess the answer. Brock, Brock Purdy. Purdy. Yes. Oh, <laughs> for us, very good. Very good. Anyways, <laughs> he was also third in fantasy points per drop back in that span. Just Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts were ahead of him, and he was one spot ahead of Patrick Mahomes, who was in fourth. That's elite company. So people point to Brock Purdy being a game manager, and it's true. 6.9 yards per uh, depth of target. You know, that was third lowest among 23 quarterbacks in the last five weeks of the season. But that's not an issue when you consider that the 49ers weapons kind of counterbalance that low depth of target with freakish production after the catch. Um, the 49ers pass catchers as a whole ranked first in overall yak per attempt among all 32 teams. And their tight ends ranked fifth in that same t- statistic. So Purdy also tossed at least two touchdowns in seven straight games from week 13 to the wild card round of the playoffs. That gives him a fantastic fantasy floor week in and week out. Now, am I making the case for him as a top 10, top eight QB? No, but he could finish as a low QB one plenty of times on a weekly basis during the season and finish inside top 15. I don't think that's out of his range of outcomes if he stays healthy. And who knows? Purdy was thrown in the fray last year and he performed like a seasoned veteran. You know, that was on short notice. He wasn't expecting to play and he played very well. Could he take a step forward in his second year, throw a little bit more gunpowder on top of the dynamite offense that is in San Francisco? I think that's a possibility. Imagine that. The Shanahan offense, it really does work wonders, doesn't it? Anyone can play quarterback there, it seems like. That was awesome. Throw a little (laughs) gunpowder on the already explosive offense. Come on, Zach. Yeah. Dynamite. Come on, Zach. <laughs> Brings a cheer to my eye. I love it. I love it. I, I like that call, man. It's a good call. He's being drafted way too late, and it is true. It's true. Just draft Brock, Brock Purdy as your last quarterback. 100%. I'm with you, man. Yep. That's a good one. I talked about Roshan Johnson being a good late-round pick, yep. but if I, I think if I had to choose one running back on the Bears' offensive target, it's Khalil Herbert. Yeah. Why? Because he already proved that he's a good running back, right? He has the upper hand right now. So far in camp, as the Bears uh, RB one, see what you did there. And, <laughs> and like, look, dude, if you if you dive into the numbers last year of how good Herbert was, he was second among all qualified running backs in yards after contact per attempt. We know that stat is correlated to being a good running back. Tony Pollard was number one. Okay, Herbert was number two last year. You know who was second the year before? Tony Pollard, and he became number one this year. Force missed right. tackles per attempt. Again, these stats matters for running back. He was third in that category right behind Nick Chubb, right ahead of Ramondre Stevenson. 
Okay, he had a run for more than 10 yards on 17% of his attempts, which was number one in the NFL last year. The other two in the top three, Tony Pollard and Nick Chubb. Okay, he was number one among all running backs in yards per carry in zone run concepts. That's what the Bears do, right? They're a zone run team. So there's a clear upside here, man. The numbers show it. It's popping out the page. So if you're not betting on that, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and what kind of backfield is he part of? An ambiguous one. An ambiguous backfield. And what what is your motto this offseason? Target him. Target (laughs) those ambiguous backfields, especially when you know that somebody's good in that ambiguous backfield. Yeah, talent and the fact that he's been there in that offense more than either the two guys that he's competing with, you know? So if anyone's going to have a first crack, it's going to be Khalil Herbert over any of those other two guys, 100%. I'm with you. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Now, I do have another sleeper, Zach, okay, that a lot of people are not even thinking about. And I have no idea why, because Alvin Kamara is getting suspended over here, okay? We already knew that Alvin Kamara was going to get suspended. We already knew that this player was going to get some unfound opportunity early in the season, potentially. What if you ran away with the job? I'm talking about Kendra Miller, right? So you need to stop worrying about Jamal Williams, okay, and draft Kendra Miller, okay? Because Jamal Williams last year, okay, 33, you know, attempts inside the five-yard line. Awesome. Like, like that's absolutely ridiculous, okay? Like, I think the next highest was, like, 20 or 19 or something. Like, and that was, like, Zeke Elliott, right? Like, yeah. It's like this amazing running back had that many goal line carries, right? Jamal Williams was not good last year, okay, in terms of just running the football, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down a little bit, okay? There were 22 running backs who had 200 carries last year, okay? He ranked 17 of those, 17th of those 22 running backs in yards after contact per attempt, okay? Yeesh. Not good, okay? Yeah. Those same 22 running backs, he ranked 21st in missed tackles forced per attempt, okay? And these stats matter. Okay, he ranked 20th and 19th among those 22 running backs in percentage of carries to go over five yards and 10 yards. Okay, not good. He scored a bunch of touchdowns. I I understand. Right. But now you have Kendry Miller drafted on day two, which matters. Okay, so he got the draft capital. You got B reporter Nick Underhill. Okay. He's been he's saying that he's been a standout at camp almost every day that he's been there. Right? He was activated a little bit late because he had that MCL issue. But yep. since he's been activated, every single day, Nick Underhill, Nick Underhill is a very respected beat reporter for the Saints. He's been putting him in his article every single day. Yeah. Okay. And that includes that includes catching the football. Okay. So they're looking at him like the Alvin Kamara replacement. Okay. I know he didn't yeah. do a lot of that in college, but they believe, including their head coach, believes that he has that skill set in him as long as they develop him. 100%. If you look at what Kendrick Miller did in college, there were there were a bunch of power five running backs who had 200-plus carries last year. Miller ranked second only to B. John Robinson in yards after contact per attempt. The year before, he was first among all running backs with 80-plus carries, okay, among power five running backs. In terms of missed tackles forced, Per rush, he ranked fifth among the 32 power five running backs with 200 plus carries last year. And the year before, he was second only to who? Bijan Robinson, okay, in missed tackles force per attempt among all running backs with 80 or more carries. Okay, so who are you drafting, Zach? You drafting yeah. Kendrick Miller or are you drafting Jamal Williams? 
Not, not Jamal Williams. It's going to be Kendra Not Miller. anymore after I said all that, right? No, right, right. No, you told me. <laughs> you know, it just happened right there. It just clicked. Uh, I'm in. It's Kendra Miller, right? That's easy. No, 100%. That, that's who you're going to draft. You don't want to take Jamal Williams. If Alvin Kamara, a receiving running back, is going to be out, there's going to be a receiving role up for grabs. Is Jamal Williams really going to take that role? Do we do we think he's going to have nope. any piece of that? No. It's going to be Kendra Miller. Zach, and then Zach, you just you know, mentioned we, we we have a special guest, Zach. We have a special guest. He's here. All right, guys, we have a very very special guest with us today, host of the Extra Point Show in Buffalo on WGR 550 Buffalo Sports Radio and Bills beat reporter Sal Capaccio is here with us. Welcome, Sal. Thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, man. Anytime. Glad we could uh, make it happen. You know, as fantasy football players, we depend heavily, you know, on your reporting, right? And and the Bills have been a hot team, and a lot of fantasy focus is on that team. And we'd love to pick your brain a little bit about what you've been seeing at training camp so far. We'll get into some specifics, but uh, what are your overall thoughts so far of the state of the team going into this year? Well, first of all, so what you're saying is I should give false reports to help myself out in <laughs> fantasy football because I want to throw everybody off the scent and then I know exactly who I should be drafting, right? That's the name of the game, Sal. <laughs> I get it. Um, 100%. You know, I mean, look, the bottom line is this is still an extremely talented roster, right? I mean, there's been a lot of talk in the national media about are the Bills going to take a step back because of what's happening in New York and Miami with the additions and the Bills roster getting older and, you know, is their window closing? And, and in one sense, it's probably true. The window for this particular group of players is going to close at some point. They are, you know, getting older. They've been together for a long time. Deion Dawkins was like, man, I look around. I've been with these guys seven years. You don't see that for a core like this, you know, for that long. But they, they're still really good. In fact, I mean, there's a reason why Vegas still has them as third, fourth best odds to win the Super Bowl. And that's because their roster – is one of the best in the league. They have a terrific head coach, a terrific organization, a general manager, and, oh, by the way, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and Josh Allen, who's among the elite. So as long as you have Josh, you're always going to be in a contention window, and I think the parts around Josh are still really darn good. And, you know, there's a lot of things they did in this offseason to help him out that I'm sure we're going to talk about. Uh, but the overall state of the team is this is still a lot of – there's a lot of expectations, right? I mean – they're expecting to win the Super Bowl. That's what comes along with having a great team like this and a team that gets bounced out in the AFC Championship game and then the divisional round last year and falls short of their goals. People ask me if it's Super Bowl or bust. Well, yeah, in one sense, but what does bust mean? It's not like Sean McDermott's getting fired if they don't win the Super Bowl, right? So I don't know what bust means, but I think there's a sense of Super Bowl or bust that it would be a failure if anything less. And, you know, one of those weapons that you talked about that, that you alluded to this offseason that they added, they obviously needed a receiver opposite Stefan Diggs. He was getting 150 plus targets year in and year out as soon as he got to the team. They added Dalton Kincaid in the first round. And usually I, I don't want to overhype a rookie tight end, uh, mm -hmm. especially for fantasy, but I can't help but not see the potential upside here if he's extremely involved uh, in the offense from the get, right? What are your thoughts on how he's been used so far, you know, his usage with the first-team offense, and and just your thoughts uh, on his potential year-one role, along with kind of talking about how Dawson Knox is uh, kind of mixed into that? Well, Dawson Knox is still going to have a really big role in this team. If you go back to even what Brandon Bean said when they drafted Dalton Kincaid, they want to go back to running a lot of 12 personnel. He feels that when he was in Carolina and they had Jeremy Shockey and Greg Olson, that was when they were really, really tough to beat. And then he said, though, they had a, a quarterback, rookie quarterback in Cam Newton at the time who 
you know, they wish they could have done more, but he was a rookie and they couldn't do as much. But thinking about now and this evolution with Josh Allen and 12 personnel and all the different things you can do, you know, this is a matchup league and they want to be very tough to match up against. Well, enter Dalton Kincaid. So then they draft Dalton Kincaid and they basically say, well, it's not really 12 personnel. They're going to call it 11 and a half personnel because he's going to be more of a wide receiver than he is a blocking tight end. And you think about it, right? What Really what the Bills are after here is they're after someone to replace what Cole Beasley was for them a couple of years ago, to control the middle of the field, that easy button dump past it for Josh. And then when you can to get down the field a little bit, but now instead of having a guy who's I've been pounds, you have six, three, two which is a matchup and a nightmare. on whoever wants to defend the Buffalo bills and go against these guys. But to the point of a rookie tight end, traditionally they take a long, look at Kyle Pitts, right? The numbers, you know, you know, in fantasy, you you just you get these rookie tight ends. You think they're going to have these big seasons, and it really takes them a while. It's a, it's a tough transition um, from college to pro. But look, Bills dr- traded up two spots in the first round for a tight end in a Super Bowl window to help Josh Allen in the offense. They're going to use them. I mean, that's what the plan is. They're going to. They did not. This is not a rebuilding team. They did not draft him to. Oh, by the way, let him you know, settle in in two years and we'll see. This is a guy that's going to be heavily involved in the offense. And I think the Bills are going to use both him and Dawson Knox quite a bit this year on the field to create a lot of different mismatches. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, when you talk about that 11 and a half personnel, it leads me into what can potentially happen to the traditional slot receivers, right? Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy, you know, the word was earlier on the offseason that there was a little bit of a competition there, you know, for that slot receiver role. Uh, Have you seen any updates with that? Is Khalil Shakir standing out at all? Uh, I know now that there's a little bit of a uh, vacancy uh, after the Naheem Hines injury, as far as the, the the return role, what have you seen there? And do you think that Dawson Knox could potentially, you know, uh, move into that role if they took a traditional wide receiver, for example? Maybe Khalil Shakir or Deontay Hardy might ha- might could have had a bigger role this year uh, without Dalton Kincaid there. Well, Dalton Kincaid is going to be your big slot receiver now. I think in a lot of sense, that's what he's going to be. That's why they're calling it eleven and a half. You're going to your more traditional tight end is going to be Dawson Knox. He's going to be more of your wide tight end, hand in the dirt. He's going to block a little bit, but he's going to go out for passes. He's going to catch passes. He's going to be a big part of the passing game. They're going to do all the stuff they've kind of normally done with him, you know, since he's been in Buffalo over the last four years. Dalton Kincaid, he's really going to be more of a slot receiver. We actually had a lot of debate on our radio station when he was drafted because. Brandon Bean basically said, you can't really think of him as a tight end. But, you know, people, well, he is a tight end. Yes, of course he is. You're going to see T.E. next to his name, Dalton Kincaid. But really what he is is a pass catcher, a slot receiver. Right. You know, for us, I mean, we're, we're positioned basically on offense, right? That's what these a lot of these teams are doing. You, you can never really pigeonhole some of these guys. They're tweeners. They do so much. They're such great athletes. But they do have guys who are really more suited for the slot. And Lil Shakir is one of them. Uh, I actually wrote today at our website, WGR550.com, about you know how I want to see a little bit more from Khalil. I think that I'm not saying he's at a disappointing camp, but I think that he hasn't popped and flashed the way that I had hoped. Now, Khalil, though, he's that's him, though. He's not a flashy guy, he's a steady guy. That's what he is. He's good with the ball in his hands. He can be a punt returner. And I think that's where he may have to make his mark this year, which because of the Naeem Hines injury, they are looking for a punt returner. And Khalil can do that, no doubt. He's not Naeem Hines, but He'll be fine back there. But the other guy I think you really have to keep an eye on is Deontay Hardy. Deontay Hardy only played a few games last year with the Saints. He had a a foot injury. Let's remember in 2019, he was an all-pro, first-team all-pro return man. And now he gets injected into a Buffalo Bills offense. His main 
position would be slot receiver. He's five foot six, I think, is what he is. Five foot nine, somewhere. It's somewhere in there, whatever it is. He's not a big guy. But anyway, the point is, he's a guy that I think would really do a really nice job in that role. But, you know, we have a lot of rules. We can't report exactly what's happening at camp and where guys are lining up and what they're doing. I'm just going to say it this way. From what I've seen, this is a Mr. Everything type of guy. This is a do-it-all. They can put him in a lot of different spots and do a lot of different things with him. I love that. I love that. And, you know, uh, I, I remember seeing Khalil Shakir at the Senior Bowl. I was there, and, you know, he looked really good. And, you know, he was somebody that I was intrigued with as a potential later-round pick. And when the Bills got him and he was paired with Josh Allen, I said, look out. You know, th there could be some real potential here. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping for the best for him, hoping, hoping that he could make a bigger impact, um, you know, at some point in his career. Now, I want to shift over to the backfield just a little bit. There's been a lot of debate over James, especially earlier on in the offseason. I think it's, it's a, a little bit more settled at this point. But early in the offseason, there was a lot of debate over James Cook and how big of a role he's going to have, especially at his size. Um, you know, they obviously signed Damian Harris. They brought Latavius Murray in as well, a couple bigger backs. And with Devin Singletary gone now, there's a huge vacancy there, right? And I, what, what I want to know, what a lot of fantasy players want to know is, is James Cook kind of sliding into that role a little bit? And while Singletary did run a ton of routes, he wasn't necessarily targeted on a high percentage of them, despite Josh Allen not having a ton of targets to, or dependable targets to throw to outside of Stefan Diggs. James Cook, he's a receiver at heart out of the backfield, right? Like, should we expect Josh Allen to be looking at him a lot more in the passing game this year? So what's funny is last year, this was the big talking point with James Cook, which is, okay, now if you remember last year, let's take back, they go to, Mar in March of last year in free agency, this is a year ago, the Bills actually thought they signed J.D. McKissick. He agreed to terms with the team. He was going to join the Bills. This was a very, very big I signing. Remember that. He was a pass-catching running back. He flipped and went back to Washington. Um, it was a big to-do. The Bills were very upset about that, the way it was handled from right. the Washington part of it, right? But, so the Bills were still in need of that pass-catching back. Well, they drafted James Cook in the second round. So, okay, he's going to be the pass-catching back now. So all the talk last year was, okay, Devin Singletary, maybe James Cook can be a guy that can incorporate it in the run game, but he's going to be this pass-catcher. And he's he runs great routes. He's like a receiver. You're right. He has great hands. There's no doubt about that. But one of my favorite stats of all of last year is this. James Cook had 89 carries. On those 89 carries, he averaged 5.7 yards a carry. To qualify for league leaders, if you look at all the league leaderboards and things, to qualify, you needed 100 carries last year. He was yeah. 11 high. If he had 11 more carries at the exact same pace he was, he would have been the leader of all running backs in the NFL in yards per carry last year. There you go. The guy was awesome running the football second half of the year when he started to actually outpace and outsnap Devin Singletary. Okay, Devin goes to the Texans, signs a free agent. Now... The question is, how much of the backfield is James Cooks? They signed Damian, Damian Harris. It's a really nice addition. They needed a bigger running back. They signed Latavius Murray. He's a really big running back, obviously. Freeze, I'm here to tell you. And Faraz, I'm here to tell you. I'm gonna, August 3rd, we're talking this, right? This is James Cook's backfield. From what I've seen, there's no doubt he is the main running back on the Buffalo Bills. I think he's looked awesome as a running back, and he still can catch the ball just as good as everyone said. Now, doesn't mean what's the what's the main running back in Buffalo though? Devin Singletary last year is the main running back was 170 carries, like right. 30th in the NFL. Main running back in Buffalo is not like everywhere else. It's not like you're going to get 220 carries. That's not going to happen. But he's still going to carry the ball more than anybody else. 
I think he's looked fantastic. I think he's going to be a three down back, but they're going to use Damian Harris in different times to spell him different matchups. And Latavius Murray becomes more of your short yardage back. Maybe take some off of Josh Allen's plate when it comes to goal line or short yardage. So I think all these guys are incorporated, but I am buying stock in uh, James Cook. I don't, it, even if it's not a PPR league, like I'm, uh, this guy's going to run the ball and he's going to be the main ball carrier for the Bills. I love it, Sal. I love it. That's music to my ears. I'm a big James Cook fan. When he when he was coming out last year, he led the entire class in, in yards per touch. He was one of the best in yards per route run. He, you know, I'm a data guy. I'm an analytics guy. When I when I see all of that, it's just music to my ears. And when you when, when someone like you who's been at Bill's training camp and you know have has seen him in the flesh and and, and you're buying stock. I am too, Zach. Sal, I am too. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get to do this again at some point later, later down the line. Yeah, anytime. Good luck in all your leagues, man. <laughs> yeah, you too. You too. Hey, man, hit me up anytime you need anything, all right? <laughs> you got it. You got it, brother. All right, thanks.